The Pat Kenny Show on News Talk with Matter Private Network. During current restrictions, don't ignore your health concerns. Our expert team is ready to help. Well, now we're joined by News Talk's technology correspondent, Jess Kelly, to answer your tech questions. You can get them to us on 53106 at a cost of 30 cent. Uh, but before we get into your questions, here's the big question. Rumors are flying around, Jess, about the next generation of iPhone. What can you tell us? Yeah, it's very exciting, Pat. This time of year is always the lead up to Apple's flagship event. Uh, it was slightly later last year as a result of COVID, but it looks like we are on track for the iPhone 13 or whatever it's going to be called on Tuesday, the 14th of September. That's what we're reading in all of the Apple rumor forums. One of the best and worst things about Apple uh, releases is that there's so much hype around them, but there's also so many uh, leaks that very little tends to be left uh, for launch day. It used to be so locked down, but we're hearing drips and drabs. And it does seem from what we've heard and what we've you know, read the speculation that they'll be focusing in on improving the camera, inclu- uh, improving the battery life and then enhancing the power chip under the hood again. So we know that um, the M1 chip has been pushed out in the flagship iPad in the new range of Mac devices. Um, It'll be interesting to see what chipset they go with with the new iPhone. The current iPhone 12, which is their their main flagship at the moment, uses the A14 chip, which is incredibly powerful. So it'll be interesting to see if they go down the M1 route or what they do. But one of the, the things that sort of piqued the interest of a lot of us here in Ireland is the talk of using a satellite chip within the phone. Okay, a satellite chip within the phone, Mm. which would connect you to uh, what they call, well, LEOs, low earth orbit satellites. Yeah. Now, this is something that um, very often that the phones that can connect, like satellite phones that can connect to these satellites tend to have, you know, big aerials. They look like the old school phones from many years gone by and they're used quite a lot by, um, you know, emergency services or military personnel, that type of thing, because it means that you can get signal where there is no traditional mobile network. And this is interesting from a few different reasons that Apple is doing this. You know, obviously, we know here in Ireland, there are quite a few black spots around the country when it comes to mobile signal, uh, 3G, 4G, 5G connectivity. So the notion that an iPhone that will cost you around 12 or 1300 euro could give you coverage no matter where you are sounds very appealing. But when you scratch the surface a little bit more... The reality of that or or the prospect of that becoming a reality seems to dwindle a little bit. Um, it does seem that it will just still be used for emergency services. So if you are in a very, very rural part of the country and something goes awry, you will be able to connect to a satellite to make an emergency call. And the reason why it's not necessarily being heralded as, you know, the end to our connectivity woes is because it's incredibly expensive. If you look up any of the the satellite companies, if you look at uh, Starlink, which is Elon Musk's uh, satellite broadband company that's in the US, it's incredibly expensive for a connection that... While it does work, it's not going to be as reliable, I suppose, as 5G or 4G. It's $99 per month. And that's only after you pay a $500 connection fee and you buy all the tech that you need. So you need to have like a little receiver dish on your home that can then connect to the satellite that's going around the world um, or floating up in uh, orbit. And then you pay your 99 on top of that uh, every single month. So it's an expensive technology. And as I said, you're not guaranteed 
a flawless connection and you're also not guaranteed uh, like as good speeds as you would want for the cost that uh, that that goes along with it. All right, well, we'll see what they package into uh, the next generation of iPhone uh, in probably a matter of weeks. Okay, questions coming in, Jess. I'm looking for the best camera phone for indoor photos and videos. Uh, iPhone 12 Pro or Samsung Galaxy S21? I think you would be hard pushed to beat the camera on the iPhone 12 Pro Max. So that's the biggest of them all. We had it in studio here a number of months ago and it is just incredible. There are three cameras on, three lenses on the back of the phone and the detail it picks up, its performance in low light. I have yet to see anything that completely blows it out of the water. Okay, that's that question. Can Jess recommend a good basic smartwatch? That's from John. Yeah, there's one that we spoke about a little while ago. It's the Huawei Smart Band 6. So this is 60 euro and it looks exactly like a Fitbit or a Garmin. It's quite narrow, so it's not going to take up your entire wrist. Um, but it will do all the basic training functions, movements, all the things that we would want, essentially, unless you're a marathon runner who, who needs, you know, the ECG and all the rest. Um, I would go with the Huawei Smart Band 6. Can Jess recommend a good printer for printing off photographs? It would be simply for this function. That's from Isabel. Um, so the two things in the printer, the obviously the paper quality is important for photos, but mm-hmm. also the number of dots from your inkjet. Yeah, this is why if it is specifically for uh, printing photographs, you may be better off just buying a, a proper photo printer. So Canon would be the way to go, in my opinion, on that front. Um, they, they can be quite expensive, so it depends. The one that we had um, last Christmas, or maybe it was Christmas before, was the Canon Selfie, and it's spelled S-E-L-P-H-Y and that is a compact photo printer it only prints photographs Um, it does come with the uh, photo paper and some of the ink Uh, but I think if you just want to print photographs it's definitely worth investing in a proper photo printer Now I'm just uh, after upgrading to a new iPhone SE after having the 6 model for the last 4 years I'm gutted can I ask how to how up to date is the SE in terms of apps, memory, processor, etc.? That's from uh, Je- That's from Roseanne. Oh no, that doesn't sound good. The iPhone SE twenty twenty. Uh, believe it or not, came out in 2020. Uh, so it's not an old phone by any stretch of the imagination. In fact, it has the new design similar to the iPhone 12. The spec internally is is pretty good. Um, so I'd be interested to know what elements of it you are disappointed by because the jump from an iPhone 6 to an iPhone SE, if it is the iPhone SE 2020, uh, should have been significant. So I'm intrigued to know what mm. has let you down. Okay, perhaps Roseanne can get back in touch. Uh, Can you ask Jess if she knows anything about Windows 11 and what processors are compatible? That's from James. Yeah, this is something that a lot of people get uh, worried about. Every now and then when uh, Windows brings out a new version of the operating system, people do start to freak out and worry if their device will be compatible. Um, So it does seem to to, to matter uh, how old your CPU. So if you go on to the Microsoft website, there is a little sort of tick through, a little box, a checklist essentially, to ensure that your device is compatible um, you, you don't have to, you're not going to be forced to update to the operating system as of yet. 
it does like it's not a great indicator if you're running a severely old operating system at the moment and um, so the minimum requirements are four gigs of ram 64 gigs of storage or more you do need to have a graphics card you do need to have um one gigahertz or faster in terms of a processor that's a lot of jargon there now so what i would recommend you do is go on to the microsoft.com website click through to the checklist and you may be able to even search your device name and just see if it is compatible Okay, I got a TP-Link mesh extender AC750. I thought that I'd followed the instructions when setting it up, but I'm not sure now that I have. Is there a way to check if it's set up correctly and that my devices are connected? Um, is there a way? I think if you if you open your different devices, uh, you should be able to see the TP-Link Wi-Fi network there because as far as I understand it, you, you do have to set up like a separate link. So if your house Wi-Fi is called house Wi-Fi and then the TP-Link is called TP-Link, when you go onto your different devices, open Wi-Fi, you should see TP-Link Wi-Fi. And if it connects, then it's working. And if it doesn't, you may have to uh, wipe it all and go back to the start hmm. will the apple 7 watch have either blood pressure monitor or blood sugar monitor that's paul and lucan i think blood, blood pressure yeah you blood pressure it, you need to have an accessory like there's the latest samsung watch 4 it can take the readings of blood pressure if you have a third party accessory so if you have a separate blood pressure monitor the watch can talk to a lot of the different models and then store the blood pressure data into the Samsung Health app. But blood pressure, you do need a particular part of equipment to do it. Yeah, you need the cuff that people put on. That's the only way to do it. Uh, Blood sugar is very interesting for diabetics and so on because obviously they're they're seeing through the skin Mm -hmm. with their probes and and using what's in the blood as an analogue. It'll be very interesting to see it uh, when it comes. I'm arranging for laptops for a new school. What laptops would just suggest for education? This is a really, uh, it, it, it's not as black and white as it may sound. It does depend on what you want to do um, within education. I've learned over the last year or so that many schools have different preferences when it comes to what software they use, the demands on the devices and so on. Um, I always think Chromebooks are excellent because they are very affordable and anything that you want to do online, they can do. So it just will depend on whether or not uh, you want to download software onto onto the devices. We actually have a video up on uh, youtube.com. If you just search for News Talk, you'll find Tech Bytes and in the second last episode we did a guide to buying uh, a laptop for education and there was an excellent hp chromebook i think it was around 320 euro or thereabouts and it was very very impressive so if you take a look at that video you'll find the exact make and model there okay a couple of things that you recommended before people want reminding. Uh, Jess recommended a Samsung Galaxy as a starter smartphone for kids a few weeks ago. Could you ask her, please, what the number was? That's from Michelle in Galway. And someone else wanted to know about the reader that you recommended uh, with a decent sized screen. That's from Brian and Donny Gall. Yeah, so the Samsung phone was the Samsung Galaxy A12. That's a very, very affordable but beautiful looking smartphone ideal for kids going to school it's around 120 euro and if you are getting a phone for your child for the first time i would highly recommend going android and setting up the google family link it'll just give you eyes on what your child is doing to a certain extent and then in terms of the e-reader the one that has the biggest screen the amazon one that has the biggest screen it's called the amazon oasis the kindle oasis 
it's a little bit more expensive but if you are a bookworm like i am then it is absolutely great value jess kelly thank you very much for joining us